It's Friday. Time to celebrate the weekend and time to celebrate the fact that there's another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gommerson. Well, as you probably know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, one of the things that Adam and I absolutely love to do is movie reviews. And usually uh, we try to cover the latest films in the Christian film market. And that's the way we go. And we usually only cover a film if we really think that you should see it. And this is an exception to one rule, but not the other. It's an exception to the expressly Christian film rule. Because Hidden Figures, which is the movie we're going to cover today, is not marketed as a Christian film, and there is a little bit of language associated with it. But that being said, it is an important film, and Adam and I are going to discuss it today, as well as give you some uh, facts that differ a little bit from the film script. Because I think it's important that as you watch this film, that you also use it as a springboard to read the book and find out the true facts. But I think for the most part, this film was accurate. We're just going to talk about some of the differences as they come up. But before we do that, Adam, why don't you kick us off with our quote of the day? And this comes from two characters in the movie. First line from Paul Stafford where he says, There is no protocol for women attending. But Katherine Johnson replies back, Well, there's no protocol for a man circling the earth either, sir. All right, so this is kind of a pivotal moment in the film because there's actually these women who work for NASA, and a lot of them were uh, African-American or black. I know sometimes black people uh, get upset at being referred to as African-American because some of them aren't from Africa, and many of them have never been in Africa. But they're, they are women of color, and... Uh, but they were literally called computers, and before computers became the mainstream, um, they were charged with making all the mathematical calculations necessary for NASA to put people on the moon and other places in space. So just considering that was a big eye-opener for me. And uh, do you want to say anything before we hit the trailer? Oh boy, I will say this at least to give a, a little plug before we get into it, but I am a fan. Such a fan. All right, with that from Adam, let's roll the trailer for Hidden Figures. Equilateral, trapezoid, isosceles, tetrahedron. I have never seen a mind like the one your daughter has. You have to see what she becomes. Come on! Like that. Hey. Catherine, we all gonna end up unemployed riding around in this pile of junk. You're welcome to walk the 16 miles. Oh, sit in the back of the bus. <laughs> you kiss me up. You have identification on? We're just on our way to work at NASA, sir. I had no idea they hired. There are quite a few women working in the space program. <laughs> you know what we're doing here? We're putting a human on top of a missile, shooting into space, and it's never been done before. <laughs> I need a mathematician that can look beyond the numbers. Math that doesn't yet exist. You have someone? Running what I'm playing. Catherine's a gal for that. She can handle any numbers you put in front of her. Don't embarrass me. This wasn't emptied last night. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not the... 
That Colonel Jim is a tall glass of water. He's coming over. Now, why would he be doing that? Because Mary's waving at him. Oh! Dorothy, slice the pie. Pie, love one. You already have a slice uh-huh. of pie, do it. Oh, left and left. You're a computer at NASA. They let women handle that sort of... Yes, it's an uphill battle. Yes, they let women do some things at NASA, Mr. Johnson. And it's not because we wear skirts. It's because we wear glasses. We go from being our father's daughters to our husband's wives to our baby's mothers. You've been gone for 300 hours. Was mama gone for 12 and a half days? No, but it felt like it. It felt like it to me, too. It's crunch time. In 14 days, astronauts will be here for training. Everything we do is going to matter to their wives, to their children. I believe it's going to matter to the whole country. My gals are ready. We can do the work. That's John Glenn. What do you ladies do for NASA? Calculate your launch and landing, sir. Engineering. And I'm proud as the devil to be working with you. How could you possibly be ogling these white men? It's equal rights. I have the right to see fine in Africa. There's no protocol for women attending. There's no protocol for a man circling the earth either, sir. Every time we have a chance to get ahead, they move the finish line. Every time. We all get there together, we don't get there at all. It's good to know uh, NASA hadn't given up on good old-fashioned brain power. ask you, if you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. Don't you know that we're able? All right, and there you go, uh, the trailer for Hidden Figures. And by the time this episode comes out, um, it may or may not still be in theaters. It may be at the Woodland Theater for those local to the West Michigan area. Um in the second run by the time this comes out um, or it may be headed toward DVD Uh, but whether you can see it in theaters or whether you wait until it comes out on DVD I would encourage you highly to see this um, with your kids with the caveat of you probably realize in the trailer there is a little bit of language um, an adult oriented discussion but nothing uh, too horrendous. It was a very well-made film, and and even the soundtrack. Um, if you could be in the studio, you would have seen Adam kind of <laughs> busting a little bit of a move during the trailer because the soundtrack is pretty catchy as well. So all around a, a very interesting film. So we'll dig into the synopsis. And this time, Adam, I'd like you to give the synopsis of the film because true confessional time here. I actually missed the first couple of minutes um, because I was rushing in after work to get to a uh, late matinee showing at 4 p.m. and missed the first few minutes. So, Adam, why don't you give us a rundown and a synopsis of this movie? All right. Well, the movie follows the story of Katherine Johnson, who, as a young girl, her uh, teacher discovers that she is, we'll say basically a genius. She's writing all this math on the board, and the teacher calls her parents in and says, I've never seen a mind like this before. And their daughter at that point was probably 10 or 11 years old. As Catherine grows up, she continues to build on that genius and on that amazing mind that she has. And she meets two other geniuses. She does, yes. 
uh, which their names are um, Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson. And once they all get to know each other and, and they're older, they all three work for NASA. By the time I'd say they're in their 30s, 40s, and they all work in the uh, math department for NASA, like you said before, computers. And as they get into NASA's program, they are then all – at least uh, Catherine and also uh, Mary, they are picked to go into NASA's like main office to help get a man on the moon, which – which that was huge back in the day for a, a woman, but especially um, an African American woman. That it, it was it was huge. It was unheard of. In fact, Catherine had become the first one to work in that department when they're trying to beat Russia and these other countries to get to the moon or get a man into space first. Actually, it wasn't even to the moon, but it was just to get to man through the atmosphere into space. And that's a synopsis. That's the synopsis of. The movie, as it continues on, they're trying to beat these other countries. They're trying to get a man into space, but they need these women's help to do so. And as the film continues, you see how, because this is based in the 1960s, how segregation was still very, very, uh, very, very a uh, part of daily life. So you see how Catherine has to, you know, uh, run across to a different building to use a restroom because there's no, there's no what they used to call back then a colored bathroom. Or you see how they're treated or there was even a part in, in the movie where they put a coffee pot out because they didn't want Catherine using it and it said colored coffee pot. And, and you see as, as it goes on how people start to learn how to work together. So I, I don't want to give away too much, but that's, that's the main plot of the movie right there. And oh boy, was it well done. <laughs> it was. It was extremely well done. As we're going to talk about in a few minutes, there were some departures from – the real story, and um, Adam's going to go over those for us in just a few moments. But first, I just wanted to give my thoughts that I realize that even some of the places where um, where the events didn't happen exactly like they happen in real life, I know that similar events to those events did happen, and so I can I can appreciate the historical significance of them um one of the scenes that spoke the most to me was when the late one when the other lady i forget which one it was adam went to the library because she wanted to learn about the computer that was coming in mm, dorothy yep. yeah dorothy and she goes to the white side of the library again talking about a segregation she goes to the white side of the library and she takes the book without checking it out because they won't let her check it out because it's on the white side of the library. Right. And she just wanted to be on the cutting edge of um, the computer system that was coming in. And she became one of the supervisors of the new computer, um, which took up a whole room, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and was less powerful than the little microcomputer that we have in our pockets today known as an iPhone. <laughs> it's mind-blowing if you think so, about it. It's so crazy. But uh, my general thoughts about this film, I loved this movie. I like historic movies, first of all. And second of all, I, I'm sitting here saying, if these women did these great things, and the three women that were featured in the film were actual women, so we can be assured of that, if they did such great work for such a... Uh, well-known organization as NASA, why are we just hearing about them now? Mm -hmm. So I have the book on hold at the library, have not read it yet, but I watched the movie and I got to say, I'm excited to read the book because these women 
if they're anything like they were acted in this film, they were just full of vim and vigor. And I know one of them is still alive at 98. Do you remember which one that is? I believe that's Katherine Johnson herself. Katherine yeah. Johnson, who was kind of the main of the three that was featured, and she um, is still alive. And I liked the fact that, you know, she was a widow with three children, um, but she married a guy, and he said that he, he, he thought the engagement ring would bring them good luck because his mom was married for over 50 years. And last I knew, they were both still married. Mm-hmm. Or at least married till his death. I don't remember now. But they were married over 50 years. So that part came true, which was awesome. So any other general thoughts? I love the just sense of hope that this movie brought. It was so cool to see as the movie progresses how segregation was being torn down. And I, and I won't go into how because you got to see the movie just to get all the details. But... It was so empowering to see that community come together after going through such a time in the South where that was not heard of. It wasn't heard of at all. I mean, this is during the, the same years as Martin Luther King Jr. and, and his civil rights marches. So th- this, this was huge. And I got to say that, it, that I liked the film because it managed to talk about these issues without feeling like a propaganda piece. Yes. Um, somebody else might watch it and have a different opinion, but I really felt that and respected that. All right, so now we're going to shatter a little bit of delusion <laughs> because as with every historical movie, for some reason they change things around a bit. And uh, so, Adam, why don't you tell us a, l- a couple different things that might be a little different from what you see on the silver screen. We're going to start with a factor fiction quote here from towards the end of the movie, actually, when they finally get a man into space, uh, John Glenn. And as he's going into space, they start having some, some trouble with his trajectory. And John Glenn actually says through the radio to NASA Control, where Katherine Johnson is also standing, which is the first woman to be able to do so in the control room. John Glenn says, get the girl to check the numbers, specifically requesting that Katherine Goebel check the math on the tra- trajectories before he boarded the Mercury capsule uh, Friendship 7. So this is actually before he was uh, lifted off. And that's actually a fact. Um, when he John Glenn actually said that, get the girl to check the numbers, is a direct quote from him, which Catherine overheard from her desk in building 1244 when they had the radio going, uh, when the phone call to the engineer came in. Now, unlike the movie, Glenn didn't expound on the request by like adding Catherine's name specifically, whether he meant to or not at least in that sense, for specifically her name, didn't know. But it was obvious to everyone who he meant because Catherine by then was known of being so accurately smart with her mathematical skills. So when John said, hey, get that girl to check the numbers, more than likely was talking about Catherine Goebel. So pretty cool right there that she was able to have yeah. that privilege. Um, now, Al Harrison is played by Kevin Costner in the movie. He's kind of the main head honcho dude at NASA. There's a part in the movie where he finds out that Catherine's had to run like across halfway across NASA's property just to use a bathroom in another building. This is rain or shine or snow. So he finds out about this, takes a sledgehammer, and hits the colored room sign off of the restroom after the restroom sign uh, after one of the uh, former employees was complaining about it. And that's actually fiction. Actually, Al Harrison himself is fiction. He's not, he's not a real person, but a fictionalized composite of three NASA directors at Langley during that time. So uh, the writer actually couldn't get the rights to the guy he initially wanted. So there's no record of any of them ever personally taking down Russian science. 
However, it says Miriam Mann from West Computing did take down the cafeteria sign. So a little bit of fiction there. But um, it was actually three people that kind of made one of the character Al Harrison. And lastly, um, Catherine and Mary Jackson, Dorothy Vaughn, the three main roles, of course, in the movie – uh, were, in separate, were an inseparable trio playing bridge together, carpooling to work together, and even sitting together at church, which you see a lot of these scenes in the movie. Uh, that's actually fiction, which that surprised me the most because they, they made them seem so close in the movie. Though the woman shared camaraderie and did work in West Computing together, uh, Catherine's daily commute was actually made with Eunice Smith, who I, I do not believe is, is in the movie portrayed by any character. So while they did work together and they knew of each other and it sounds like they, they probably went to church with each other, um, Catherine's daily commute actually no time with Mary or Dorothy. It was actually with somebody else. Which actually that's some of the funniest stuff in the movie <laughs> yeah. is when they're commuting. Another thing I wanted to mention is I had read that the segregation of the bathrooms was gone by the time NASA was NASA, the, oh, the, okay. the the segregation of those bathrooms um, predated NASA because there was another name for NASA before it was NASA. But by the time it was NASA, um, it was I believe it was desegregated. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because there's uh, one more I actually uh, didn't see reviewing this earlier. But when Catherine had to run a half a mile across campus to get to a bathroom, that's Actually, fiction, but just barely, because that actually did happen to Mary Jackson, but it was it was a one-time experience, and Catherine actually ignored the rules and used the women's bathroom in her building after all. So okay. interesting. So, yeah, I don't know how all those things fit together, but thank you, Adam, for just giving us a little bit of uh, some of the differences. Again, uh, there is some great stuff in there, and like I said, even if it doesn't follow – Completely the historical event of that particular thing. I still think that there was some factual evidence um, surrounding the particular time period, even if it wasn't specifically at NASA. Mm -hmm. And I, I did think the scene where he pulled down the colored sign on the bathroom was powerful because he said, we're all here on the same team um, and we all... Need to use the bathroom. I cleaned that line up a little bit. <laughs> but he basically says we all have that need, mm -hmm. regardless of the color of our skin. And so I thought that was good, even if it's not completely based in fact. All right. Adam, what did you see as things that were really positive about this movie? One or two things. What was really positive is, A, I think they really portrayed a good, accurate depiction of what life was like in the 60s, uh, whether you were white or whether you were black. I mean, just to see what it was really like and how those people were treated. I don't want to say it's a positive thing, but in a way it is, though, because not only does it show us how far we've come as a nation in many ways, but also I, I think that's that's good to know because you, you don't think that a person could ever be treated that way, like they're lepers or something. That's how they were treated. But... I love how they did that, but they did it in a very lighthearted way, and that's what I really love about this movie. They 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 really depicted this true story, mostly true, but they didn't do it in a way that's so heavy that afterwards you feel like you need to go to therapy for a few weeks to get over it. You know, like some movies do. Um, I so I loved how it was a story of I, I think of of hope, of redemption, and it showed these women to be used that so many people kept saying, no, they can't because they're colored or because they're women. But 
you know, it shows that, you know, God created all of us equally and that he can use us in any way. So loved it. So good. All right. Well, I, I, I really liked the camaraderie between the three leads. And so I was a little bit disappointed to find out that they weren't quite as close in real life, although they knew each other because I just really thought they played well off one another in the film. As I said, I liked the family aspect. Um, of course, it's a true story, so they would hopefully depict them the way they were. But I kind of thought it was refreshing that the lady was a widow rather than a, a divorced parent. And and I'm not saying, for those of you who are divorced in our audience, please don't misunderstand me. I uh, I realize that there's different factors, and I, I don't stand in, in judgment of you if that's where you're at. But I just really like the fact that this widow... Um, she came home to her kids at the end of her long days and they were very encouraging to her, even though they didn't really understand all that was going on and all that she was going through. Like the one little girl says, you've been gone for 300 hours. (laughs) Uh, and she says, well, have I been gone that long? And they're like, no, but it felt like it. But (laughs) I, I just, I really, uh, thought the family aspect was genuine. And then of course. Um, when her new husband came along, um, he always treated her properly, didn't take advantage of her, and obviously, from what I've read, was an awesome husband and father to her daughters. So I thought that was a very good aspect of the film. Um, did you see anything negative about the film or anything you wished they'd done differently? Um, really, only a couple of things I could think of. One is there was it's rated PG, uh, but there is some language in it. Um, I know even in the trailer earlier you might you might have heard a little bit. So I, I don't feel like they had to use all that in the movie. It didn't really help the storyline for me. Also, I, I do feel like at times the the storyline it went a little bit slower than I expected. It doesn't take anything away from the movie, but it was just slower paced than the trailer makes it seem. So. It's it's definitely not by any means an, an an action movie or anything, but it was a little slower paced than I thought, and um, wasn't super crazy about that fact. But otherwise, it was well, it was great. And and you're right because there are points where you almost feel like it's going to turn into a docudrama, right? Where all of a sudden it's going to zone in, zoom into a talking head, yeah, uh, because it does slow down a bit. But you're talking about very technical stuff, and I gotta say that for the technical stuff they were talking about. They kept it interesting, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think they did a really good job with the cast. Kevin Costner uh, is always pretty good in these roles, and um, uh, Octavia Spencer um, is is really good. She was in The Help, for those who need a frame of reference, which is another good film, mm-hmm. which we haven't really done a whole lot of flashback movie reviews of movies that have been out for a while, but we may end up going back and doing that one because that was another one that, to me, was kind of life-changing. I read the book, and then I watched the movie, and I said that both of them were probably the movie of the movie and book of the year for me. I mean, they deal with severe issues, but they deal with them in a realistic way, and we do need to be, you know, aware of the past. I mean, that's kind of the reason that we reviewed things we couldn't say a while back mm-hmm. because it's, it's tough to talk about these true aspects of life, but it's still so necessary. 
And so that's just something to keep in mind. All right. Here we go, Adam. Who is your favorite character? <laughs> you know, it should be one of the three main leads, but actually I think my favorite is Al Harrison, who's played by Kevin Costner, because when you're first introduced to him, he's he's this typical gruff leader in charge guy where he's like, all right, we're going to work 100 hours. We're going to get this done. Even there's a part where he's like, call your wives because we're staying longer to get this quote thing in so we can get a man on the moon before Russia. And he's a pretty rough – he's a pretty gruff guy, but he has – a really kind heart towards Catherine as he gets to know her and especially the part where he does like rip down the colored people sign in the bathroom. And he has these moments of breakthrough where he's understanding, he's kind to her. But at the same time though, everyone else knows him as this like gruff, like all business, no play kind of guy. And I love that because I feel like some of the nicest, kindest people out there, you know, they can kind of sometimes be kind of gruff or rough on the outside, but once you get to know them, you know, she he truly saw the value of who Catherine was. Uh, I have to agree with you. He was a very good character. I would say um, another favorite character of mine would be the stepfather, Mr. Johnson, who married uh, Catherine Goble. Oh, yeah. Um, he was, like I said, he was just a really good guy. When he, when he first came on the scene, not knowing about her story beforehand, I wasn't sure if he was going to stick around long term or what what the the deal was was going to be with him but he he was a good man and and he um treated her with respect and so uh, i li- i like when men are portrayed that way because i think too often when we portray them in film or in tv um particularly sitcoms we 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 portray them as pushovers um and idiots, and he wasn't portrayed as either of those, so I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And then, for least favorite character, um, I think Paul Stafford <laughs> was my least favorite character. Although he does kind of come around at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Catherine Goebel's helping him prepare reports. Catherine Johnson, Goebel Johnson, um, is helping him prepare reports, and she keeps writing her name on the byline as a co-author. <laughs> And he says, women don't co-author reports. But then toward the end, he um, he uh, realizes that she did indeed, and he lets it stand, and I thought that was a cool part. I don't know about the historical authenticity of that particular aspect. I don't know if you read anything about that in your fact sheet. But, um, but I thought that was interesting. And Adam, do you have any thoughts Besides him, or maybe you agree that he was. It's funny. On my notes here, I actually had him written down first. And then I was going through the cast and the movie over my mind. I scratched it out and I put Vivian Michael. She's played by uh, Kirsten Dunst. And she is kind of like the coordinator of who's going to go from the mathematician lounge to actually up to NASA's control center. Um, And she uh, was just very, very cold. And she really, to me, reminded me of what it would be like to see someone who really was a real racist because she treated all the women with color and especially the three leads so cold, so incredibly cold. I mean, treated them like they were um, not even people. What I like though, is that even she and many of these characters that have these bad beginnings, they do kind of have a turn. She did a little bit. Yeah, Uh, true. So I, I think that, I think that that's an exciting thing when you, when you see the metamorphosis of someone, 
on the screen. Yes, it's compressed. Yes, sometimes you can be like, well, it's a movie. That's why they ended it that way. Because I think she might have been a composite as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the same time, that's the kind of thing that you want to see on a film, a good film, is to see a character go through a process and be changed as a result. So I think that's a good thing. Um, all right. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you took away from this film, Adam? I think it is the value of a person and how you treat that person can really not only affect their life. Because seeing how some of the uh, black people were treated, it was just – it was shocking. And I think that was happening in our own country 50 years ago, just 50 years ago. Uh, It was – just kind of took your breath away. You're like, oh my word, that's – it's awful. But I think really the value of the person and also giving someone an opportunity, even when you might think, oh, I don't know if they can do it. You know, Catherine Johnson was the first woman to be given an opportunity to, to work in NASA and a first woman of color and to see what she accomplished. And if they wouldn't have given her that chance, it wouldn't have happened. Well, and I, I think of the other one. Do you remember which one it was, too, that was trying to become an engineer? Uh, that was Mary Jackson. Okay, Mary Jackson. That particular aspect, when she goes to court uh, to get the right to take mm. the night classes, mm-hmm. again, I, I'm sorry to say I don't know what the actual circumstances were for that, but that was very powerful for me because um, she's talking to her mentor at NASA, and he says, if you were if you were white, would you want to be an engineer? And she's like, no, because I'd already be one. Mm. And then she says, well, it's impossible. And he says, well, I'm the son of, you know, Jews who were in the Holocaust. I don't know if they survived. I don't remember if he said they survived or whatever. And I'm working at NASA, and that's pretty impossible. So I think you should go for it. And just that whole thrust and that whole story arc was really powerful. And I don't know, again, if it was the most accurate thing in the world, but I think that hopefully it spoke to people. Mm-hmm. So... um all right. For me, uh, as far as biggest lesson, I would just say perseverance. They didn't get where they were by giving up. Yeah. You know, I've I've said on this podcast before many times that I feel like a lot of times I have to work twice as hard to prove that I'm just as good. And so if there was ever a time in my life when I just gave up, I wouldn't achieve the things that I have achieved. So I, you know, I was re-inspired um, to keep going achieve my goal so that's a good thing all right well we've come to the time when we must rate our film the film from one to five five being best one being worst adam i am going to give it actually the highest score i've ever given a movie on a review i'm gonna give it four and a half out of five stars it was oh it was great it was so good um again not to be picky picky but the only thing was just like some of the tempo at some parts i felt like was slower than i was expecting but otherwise really four and a half out of five stars it's so good well i do think that you and i both gave fives to woodlawn so oh uh, <laughs> that's true that's this, true this might have to be the second best i w- i'm gonna go a little lower than you and say four just because of some of the adult innuendo mm. and also the language yeah but i highly recommend this film if nothing else watch it with your kids and make it a point of discussion, and then go out and read the book. 
uh, because I'm sure the book is better. <laughs> uh, usually they are. I'm excited to get it from the library. Um, so watch the film, read the book, or read the book first and be disappointed in the film. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do it however you want to, but I would just encourage you to do that. Like I said, if nothing else, to spark discussions with your family on these important issues. Well, that's all I have time for today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 